After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Something like this is about $425,000. Shut up. What's up, everybody? My name is Joe. Thank you for coming to Lightweight's podcast. You are about to see one of the most extensive watch collections. $3 million worth. We have half a million dollars worth of diamonds. Watches will be like one of the most liquid assets you'll ever have in your life. And this is all from my buddy who owns a jewelry store called Happy Jewelers located in the OC. What is the most expensive engagement ring you ever sold? We've sold a pink diamond for about $3.4 million. He brought Richard Millie's, Rolexes, APs. What did he end up buying? He bought a Rolex Day Day, 40 millimeter. How much is that? It was around like 45000 But I showed him like the crazy stuff. He's like, no. I mean, he could, the guy can afford it. I mean, he could buy anything he wants. But he's like, I just want something simple, clean, I just want to show my personality with it. I don't want anything too crazy. So we get into the biz. We find out all the tricks of the trade. Can I ask how much you bought it for? I bought it for five eighty. And if you're new here, make sure to hit the subscribe button. Leave us a comment down below and a thumbs up. So thank you for watching and enjoy the podcast. What's up, Lightweights? Today we have Happy Jewelers, where I got my wedding ring, where I got my engagement ring. We have the owner, Danny. Thanks for having me, dude. You guys are the premier luxury jewelry watch like you guys are the, the everything we have pieces from you know a hundred dollars and we have pieces for a million dollars what do you have here would so you bring here i brought some of the most exclusive and rare watches probably in the world patek philippe's paddocks rolexes ap one-offs ap 20 pieces made tourbillon movements and we have a tiffany and company paddock philippe which a lot of people don't even know about that we have a full factory arabic day day platinum with a special cut bezel RM11, three of three. I mean, we even have MBNFs too. We do a lot of independence as well. So it's like you want the hype pieces, we have it. You want the one offs, you want the independence, whatever you want, we have it. How much is this case? I was actually telling JJ, this is probably like $2.5 to $3 million. Thank God <laughs> we have security here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's insane. You just drove in the car with that. Where do you get these? We get them from all over the world. I mean, me and my brother were both known as buyers, right? So. When people want to liquidate, people want to sell, people want to trade things. When a number comes out of our mouth, we pay, essentially. You guys own these, and then you just try and sell them to whoever? Yes. Wow. I mean, look, not many people, not to, I don't want to sound like come off cocky or arrogant or anything like no, that. No, you're right? not. Not many watch dealers can stock items like this because it's a lot of money. There's a lot of value, right? I mean, it's like you have right here is over 400K in one piece. So... It also takes a lot of guts to be able to buy a piece like that and wait for somebody to buy it. But how, we have customers from all over the world, so we move it. How often is someone buying a watch like this from you? Not often. I mean, a, a watch like this, it'll take about a month to two months to sell. Sometimes it sells within a day. I mean, you never know, right? It can move any day. Do you have a list of people? You're like, hey, got the new. We have a list of people. We have, we're really big on social media, on Instagram. So every Tuesdays and Fridays, we'll put our new uh, new watches that come in top five and then we'll do like a Friday sale but we have customers that come from all around the world you know sometimes you'll have people we have customers flying in from the Philippines that will come in we have people coming from Hong Kong Japan Singapore I mean, we had a guy the other day flew in from Singapore because I had a yellow gold green dial AP I want to say it was around 125 pieces made he was looking for the last two years for the watch couldn't find it he saw us on Instagram saw that we had the watch sent us a DM wired us the money and came two days later and picked it up. I don't know what to say to that. That's crazy. Yeah. How do you know so much about watches yourself? Because you're talking about like all these numbers and letters and I'm just like... Yeah. <laughs> uh, research. I mean, I, I do my studying. I like to read. I like to research the market. I like to keep myself up to date because, you know, for me, we buy 15, 20, 25, 30 watches a day. 
So if I'm not up to date and I'm not current, I could lose a lot of money. Is it almost like a pawn, pawn stars situation when you're buying a watch? No, 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 no. It's not like that. What is it? What is it like? Because I've seen people come in and they just have their 10 watches and they're like, you're like, I'll take this for like 10 grand. I'll take so this. like, I'll tell you like this, like this, I bought this one. And I bought another paddock with it. I, just, I didn't bring it at another 5712R. He was buying a house. So he sold the two watches and three watches actually for 380000 and for the down payment for his house. Are watches a great investment? I hate using that term investment because watches, watches will be like one of the most liquid assets you'll ever have in your life, right? You can't sell a watch or you can't sell a car in one day. You can't sell your house in one day. There's not many things that you can walk into somewhere and get money instantly. A watch is something you need money. You can have money in your hands in 30 minutes to an hour if you know someone that you can sell it to, which anybody will buy it. Do you ever hear stories of people wearing their watches like in the ocean and it gets ruined and destroyed? Yeah. If you don't know how to wear it properly and leave the crown open, of course, that can happen a lot. I actually had a customer come in the other day. He had a, um, a deep sea and he needed a link and the watch was big on his wrist. And I said, hey, dude. The watch fits you. Why do you want an extra link? He's like, well, I actually use it for the correct thing and I go diving with it. I said, wow, you're the, and I sold many deep seas in my life and the store. He was the first customer I've ever met that actually used it for the correct purpose of it because it's a dive watch. It's like, there's an escape valve inside of it. So, you know, when you're going underwater and the pressure gets so deep, it'll actually release pressure from the side of it. So the crystal doesn't pop off. And what's the point of that? Cause it tells you how deep you're going on that watch. Yes. Oh, uh, and no one uses it for that. I mean, nobody uses it. It's, <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, we probably saw 20, 30 deep seas a month, and he's the first guy I ever met that actually used it for the correct for the correct way. What would you say is the best watches to invest in? Rolexes. Why? Because you can walk up to any person on the street, and you ask them, hey, do you know what a Rolex is? They're going to know what a Rolex is. I mean, you could walk up to my six-year-old daughter and say, hey, do you know what a Rolex is? Because I know what a Rolex is. Do you know what an AP is? Uh, what's an AP? Do you know what a paddock is? Richard Mill? A lot of other brands, Rolex, they're marketing geniuses. They know exactly what watch to come out with. They know ex exactly how to market it. They market it for the mass. So Rolexes will always be number one. Even sellers in our store, right? 70% of our inventory is Rolexes, and then 30% is everything else. Do you think the Rolex shortage was almost intentional? There was never... Rolex didn't stop producing less they didn't make less watches it was just the demand went up right don't forget rolex they produce a lot of watches a year compared to other brands rolex will probably produce over a million watches a year compared to brands like paddock and ap who does 35 to forty thousand, and you have brands like richard mill who does like 3500 to four thousand four thousand watches a year so rolex is mass produced it's just the demand went crazy right before seven eight years ago nine years ago you had a very few percentage of people that were buying watches. Now you have 17, 18, 19-year-old kids and they're coming in and they're buying their first Rolex. It might not be a $50,000, $60,000 Rolex, but they're buying you know, a 36-millimeter Datejust for $5,000, $6,000 and then they'll eventually upgrade it. And a lot of people go, oh, the new generation, they like this luxury. I personally don't think it's a bad thing because if you like nice things and you want to wear nice things, you're going to work harder for it. What makes a Richard Milley so expensive? It's the movement... Like the hype? Not the hype. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, the hype, obviously, everything. If, if a watch doesn't have hype, it's not going to keep its value. But Richard Mills also, they're very smart with their marketing, right? They put their watches on the hottest Formula One guys, hottest soccer players, um, tennis players, and they essentially market it. But the movement and what goes into actually making a Richard Mill is not like any other company. The materials they use... I mean, I could show you some movements that Richard Mill makes that will blow your mind. Movements in terms of what? How, the way that the complications. The, the complications of a watch. You know, don't forget, some of these watches take, you know, eight, nine, ten months to build one watch. You know, a lot of people go, oh, well, it's just a colorful watch. It's, it's not just a colorful watch. Yeah, it is a colorful watch, and it looks like a toy. But there's a lot of work and a lot of research and development that goes into building that one watch. You obviously have to be up to date on trends. Yes. And seeing how much things, like what's what, who wants what, what's hype, what's now. Have you ever bought a watch and lost a lot of money on it? Yeah. What? Um, well, about a year and a half, two years ago, obviously everybody knows watches came down in pricing, right? Yeah. So we had a lot of inventory. Everybody lost a lot of money. The whole watch industry lost a lot of money, right? We normally stock 
eight to nine hundred, sometimes a thousand watches in stock. So there were some watches that I had in my inventory that I bought for hundred and ten grand that I ended up selling for sixty, sixty-five K. Yeah. I mean look, this watch right here, or you know what here, let me give you a better example. The Rolex Rainbow Daytona. Right there, right? Yeah. Right now I have it for sale for six hundred twenty thousand. At the height of the market, that watch was almost a million dollars. So that alone came down about forty percent. Can I ask how much you bought it for? I bought it for five eighty. But if you wanted, you could just not sell it, correct? And just wait for the market to come back up? Or are you trying to kind of just... You're, you're, you want to turn your money. As a watch dealer, you want to turn your money. I understand the concept of what you're saying. But for watch dealers, it's all about turnover, right? So a lot of people go, oh, gray market guys have crazy profit. It's not crazy profit. Gray market guys make a lot of money, but it's because their turnover is high, right? So when you're buying a Rolex, your margin might be 5 6 7 8%. But you're going to turn that money over four or five times a month. Right, so now it's like you're making eight hundred dollars or seven hundred dollars on a watch, but if you turn that money four or five times, now all of a sudden that ten thousand dollar investment you made three four grand on it. Right, right. Whereas other brands, your margin might be higher, but it might take you thirty days, sixty days to move it. When was the last time someone came in and you were impressed at what they were wearing, like really blown away? Oh, that's a good question. We have customers walking in with all kinds of pieces. Um, I had a customer wearing the Tiffany Paddock, the turquoise dial, the one that goes for about $2.5 million. Just very nonchalantly walked in with a 28-year-old kid. I'll a guy? You, a guy. I went over and shook his hand, and I talked to him the whole time he was over there. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Did you ask him where he got it? He bought it straight from Paddock. And when you, they, get, when you get a watch like that, do they put you on a waiting list to make sure you have certain requirements before they... So that watch, when they first came out with it, the first people that got it were the biggest celebrities, right? You have like guys like Mark Wahlberg, Jay-Z, um, Kevin Hart. They give, the, they give it to them at retail, $30,000, right? And then when it went into auction, I think it auctioned for a little over $6 million, right? And then after a few months, the value of the watch was in that two point five to $3 million range. But if you wanted that watch in the meantime, Tiffany said, hey, we'll sell it to you. You could have walked in. I could have walked in and bought the watch. But they said, with the purchase of it at $30,000, you have to spend about three point five to four million dollars on jewelry, on any kind of jewelry, and we'll give you the watch, right? So that was kind of the the new value of the watch, right? You buy four million dollars in jewelry. If you go liquidate that jewelry, you might lose forty fifty percent. So you're essentially going to be into the watch for close to two million dollars. Is that just a way for them to keep the? pool exclusive. This episode is sponsored by Rosetta Stone. If you don't know, Rosetta Stone is the number one most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. That's right. You can now immerse yourself in the language you want to learn. So whether you're traveling abroad or you want to watch some foreign movies and TV shows, break down the communication barriers with Rosetta Stone. They've been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, the list goes on and on. There's no English translation, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. Pick up the language naturally, first with the words, then phrases, then sentences. It's designed for long-term retention. Plus, there's the built-in true accent feature, which gives you feedback on your pronunciation, like having a personal trainer, but for your accent. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Lightweight's podcast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That is 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem now for 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours... The energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Exclusive? Pull exclusive and to make money. I mean, look, at the end of the day, the, all these companies are pro- they're for profit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they have to make money. What's your, what's your favorite jewelry movie? Uncut Gems? I like the Uncut Gems. I didn't like the ending of it. I thought it kind of sucked, but I like Uncut Gems. Do you yeah. think it was true to the trade? I didn't like the fact that they made it like a gambler that kept like trying to sell his merchandise and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty true to the trade. Yeah, I would say so. Wow. Yeah. Do you it's have- fun. There's all sorts of creatures in the jewelry business. You know what I mean? That's why you got to trust who you're buying from at the end of the day. And you have your select people that you do buy from. Yes. Do you buy from all over the world? We buy from all over the world. Yeah. We buy mainly from internationally. We'll buy from site holders. You know, What's dealers a site holder? The, site holders are the people that deal directly with the mines. They're the companies that deal directly with the mines that are buying huge packages that cut the diamonds themselves. So normally a normal jeweler, will, there's a, the mine, site holder, and then there's wholesalers in you know, India, Israel, Belgium. So normal companies here will buy from those guys. We'll buy directly from the mine because we do mass quantity. We're able to, a site holder is not going to sell to you if you're buying $100,000. They're, they're going to sell to you if you're buying a few million dollars. Right. So we have the ability to do that. So we're buying directly from site holders. Got it. Yeah. Can you explain the story of Happy Jewelers? Of yeah. how you guys got started? Yeah, of course. So my dad at a young age, they were farmers essentially in a village in Turkey. And when he was younger, he, he always wanted a better life for him and his brothers. So when he was young, he told his dad, he said, hey, I want to go and I want to go to the main city in Istanbul and I want a better life. So he went in, he started as a driver, janitor, saved up enough money and opened up a little bench. Like when I say a bench, like a little desk to do like jewelry repairs. And as he was doing repairs, he would make enough money and he would make one piece of jewelry, put it on his desk. And as people walked by, they would buy it. And he slowly built and built and built and built. And he opened up a little factory and... And then when his brothers were old enough, he brought his brothers to Istanbul to help him run his little store that he had. And then when one brother got his green card, obviously he sent him to the U.S. and they opened up a store. And then the other brother opened up another store. And then eventually my dad came over too. But, you know, at that time, it's like when they first started, my dad would always tell me, you know, like sometimes they would barely have enough money just to buy a loaf of bread to feed the whole, like to feed his, my mom, his two, three brothers, and whoever was staying is like sometimes we would just barely have enough money for bread and butter just to fill ourselves up for the night. And then he put all the money just right into the business? He put all the money right back into the business. Was it always called Happy Jewelers? No. So my dad's company is called Eric Mounting, which we still have and operate and own, which is in L.A. in the jewelry district. And then when my brother was 18 years old, my dad wanted to open up his own store. So he actually bought a store from an Oriental family whose store was called Happy Jewelers. So it's actually Eternity Jewelry, DBA Happy Jewelers. But because we didn't want the old customers to not come back, we kept the name Happy Jewelers. And now it just kind of became a trend, you know? Go to Happy. Go to Happy. You guys kill it on the trend. Yeah. <laughs> What's your secret to getting all those influential people? To be honest, it's word of mouth. I mean, look, at the end of the day, they're all normal. They're people, right? So they're going to ask around. They're going to ask their friends, hey, where'd you get your ring? Where'd you get your watch? Etc. So essentially, that's just kind of the way we built it. You guys have the best customer service we do i've only bought one wedding ring but it was a great experience yeah (laughs) i went to a couple other places and jj's over here he was the one that helped us and he he like dumbed it down for us to really figure out like the quality and the size and just what to get exactly and because prior to that we were just so confused and so overwhelmed and at the end of the day too he wasn't pushing anything on us no and you guys came over and you talked to us you're like hey if you want this and like me and my mother-in-law went outside we had a discuss we're like this is like crazy yeah. right now and we ended up getting it and it I was the best it. and then we've recommended people and you know people always ask that when they walk into a store like on a monday morning they'll walk in at 10 a.m and they go man you guys are so busy what, what do you guys do there's no secret to success if you just take care of people you give customer service you're consistent and you create relationships people will always come back they just want to be taken care of and they don't want to be pushy look walking into a jewelry store or a watch store is very intimidating even me as a a guy that like we own a big jewelry store, right? Sometimes when I'm at the mall and I'm going to South coast and stuff and you know, you walk by the boutiques, even for someone like me, I'm like, man, like it's a little intimidating to walk in, right? You're like a little bit like, you know, so I always tell 
employees always have a smile on your face. You know, people, when they're walking in, they're, they're nervous, right? I mean, guy's probably buying an engagement ring. He's already nervous as is. And then he's walking into a jewelry store that's jam packed. You just got to be very welcoming. Well, let me ask you, how'd you hear about us? My wife follows all the Dodger players and all their wives and loves the Dodger family. And you guys supply a lot of those people and anyone from like bachelor nation, reality TV shows, everyone's down at happy jewelers. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's like, where are we going to go? We're going to go where we see everyone who like is, is like happy with it. Yeah. And that's kind of how we got influenced. So when we called JJ, someone said like, come see JJ. So we did. And guys go see JJ. And it's probably JJ. They answer the phone. Probably like, hey, go see JJ. He's, number one. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, let me tell you about this guy. He's yeah. really good. <laughs> and yeah, no, just, just through social media. Cause that's really where I feel all the marketing really is, especially for younger people who are the ones getting married. Yeah. 100%. I mean, yeah. social media is huge. If you're not on social media and you weren't on it and you want to have a business, get on it. Yeah. I mean, you have to, to stay relevant. I mean, it's such an amazing tool that you could essentially like tell people, hey, we're opening on a Sunday, which we don't normally open. And the message gets out there. It's better than email. It's better than, I mean, I, I, social media is key. Yeah. One of the coolest pieces when I went to the store was seeing a Joe Rogan necklace that you guys had made for him. Yeah. Did he ever pick it up? You know, like it's not something that like we could talk about too in depth, but a good friend of ours, Cody Nola, who's a huge UFC fighter, is a really good friend of Joe Rogan. And we're huge fans of Joe Rogan. So we told Cody, we said, hey, we want to get in touch with him. And Cody's like, you know what? Make him something. And I'll take it over to him and I'll present it to him. So we actually made the piece and we presented it. From what we know, he loved it. Got it. So when you make a custom piece, what does that look like from the jeweler's end? From our end? So first we'll start with an etching, like an actual drawing where we'll draw something up, you know, fix the mistakes and everything like that, kind of like the end product that we want. And then we'll take it into a CAD, which is a 3D rendering. And then we'll actually print from that CAD, it'll go into like a mold. And then from that mold, you'll cast it, you'll make it into gold, and then you'll start setting the stones. Because a lot of pieces that are iced out, they'll come out of solid pieces. It's an actual setter that sits there with the microscope, and he'll drill it out and make the prongs one by one and set each and every single stone. So sometimes custom pieces will have, you know, eight, nine, ten hours, days of man hours to actually finish it. Oh. Yeah. When someone buys an, an iced out necklace, say for a million dollars, are they getting a million dollars worth of diamonds or are they getting a million like a million dollars including diamonds and craftsmanship and those man hours? Everything. Yeah. So it all depends, right? If it's like, you know, a custom necklace with a, a 10 karat diamond and then the rest of it, there might be less labor and less man, hour, man hours. But let's say they're getting like a three kilo chain some of these rappers are wearing with all these diamonds iced out. Yeah. A lot of that is in labor. When they sell it, do they end up losing just some money or most money? Most custom pieces, if you're making it, yeah, you're going to lose some money on it. Yeah, because the person that's buying it is not going to essentially want to pay you the labor. Got they're it. They're going to want to buy it for gold plus diamonds. So it depends. What are some Rolex fun facts? You mentioned before the people buy a Rolex and they just carry it around as a plane ticket. Yeah, actually, I actually got a lot of heat for that. A lot of people look really crazy on me, but it's it's actually a true concept, right? Like, let's say... Yeah, okay, there's credit cards and there's this and there's that. But if you're in a third world country and a lot of people back in the day would actually take a Rolex with them, whether it was a Datejust or a Submariner or whatever it is, because if God forbid something did happen, like I told you before, right? What's the most popular company? It's a Rolex. Everybody's going to know what a Rolex is. That watch, even if it's worth $10,000, you'll actually, you'll even in a third world country, you'll be able to get $1,000, $1,500 in cash to be able to get home with it. Oh, so they use it kind of just... As an emergency. Interesting. Yeah. Instead of taking cash with you, they'll take a Rolex with them. And a lot of people still do it. In in terms of what, why would they want that? Like if they got robbed type of thing? Yeah, like let's say you're walking, let's say you're in, I don't know, in a third world country, whatever, choose it. Lose your wallet, you get stolen, you lose your passports, you lose your ID, you lose your credit card, you lose all your money. You have nothing. No phone, no nothing. You can't get around, right? You need to be able to get around. Take the watch, sell it for fifteen hundred bucks, two grand, and I can promise you with fifteen hundred dollars or two thousand dollars, you're gonna be able to get something done. Got it. When you make an an amazing buy, do you like go in the back room and like have a little happy dance? No. No? No. I used to, but not anymore. <laughs> you know, because it was funny. One time and this is a my older brother, one time when I was like nineteen or twenty years old, 
this is, you know, 13, 14 years ago, I sold a big pair of earrings for like 180 grand. And I was like stoked. I was like, yeah, you know, I was sitting there for like, you know, 15, 20 minutes, a little bit, like thinking about my sale and everything I did, you know? And my brother walked in the room. He's like, so what? You made a big sale. Now you're just going to relax all day. You're not going to go for the next deal. You're not going to go for the next sale. And as a young person, at first I was like, you know, like, kind of like what a dick, you know, like, let me at least enjoy the sale I made, but he's right. You know, you made a sale, you did good, go after the next one. You know, what are you going to do? Okay. Yeah. You made a little bit of money. You're going to spend that money until you go for the next deal. Continue to build on it. What's the hardest part of running a business with your brother? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, before we used to butt heads a lot because we used to share like, oh, we used to run the whole company together. Right. But then like five, six years ago, we said, hey, you run the jewelry and diamond side. I'll run the watch side. So we kind of separated it a little bit. So now it's, I, I love it to be honest. Look, my dad always told us since we were young, he always said, look, two heads are better than one, right? You're always going to have each other. If you're in a pinch, you're in the pinch together and you're going to figure it out together instead of being by yourself and having to figure out everything by yourself. So I love it. I actually love it. And who trusts more than family? Right. right? Do movie studios use real diamonds in their heist movies? No. I mean, some could, but I highly doubt it. It's just way too much liability, way too much insurance. No, I don't think so. Can you spot a fake just by looking at it? By looking at it, I can spot a fake, of course. Have you ever bought a fake watch by accident? A long time ago, once, yeah. But it was was different. Like, the whole watch was real, but they took them... So like they took a real, it was a Panerai. And back at that time, it was they were doing this a lot, right? So what they did is they got a real watch, they took the movement out and they put a fake movement in there. So the watch I bought was actually, the whole thing was real. The shell of it. Yeah, it was just the movement, which is the value of the watch, was fake. But before we sell anything, we obviously open it up, we check it, we make sure everything is good before we even put it out to the floor to sell. We have expert watchmakers that will open everything up. But yeah, once, and that was it. Was the guy trying to swindle you? Yeah. Fuck him. Yeah, fuck him. And he was good too. Damn. I was young. I was like 19 years old. I was so crushed. I was so mad. And you know, at that time, you think you know everything and you're like a hot shot. You're this, you're that. I mean, that really put my morale down big time. But it also made my eyes open, right? Great you learning lesson. People. Yeah. You did a house call to John Jones where you brought this watch display? Yeah. What was that? It was actually in Vegas. So John Jones was having his big fight, his last fight that he actually did where he won. And he wanted a nice watch. So he called us. He said, hey, dude, I'm in Vegas before my fight. It was literally after the, um, what do they call it when they when they have like the conference like a day or two before the fight? The the pre-show? Yeah, the pre-show. I literally waited for him after the pre-show. We went into the Bellagio where the mansions are. I have a good friend of mine that's like well-connected over there. We went into like this huge boardroom, like a Donald Trump looking boardroom. <laughs> and I showcased him a bunch of watches and jewelry. The nicest guy you will ever meet in your life. I never met him before. And you know, he's a legend, right? So you're a little bit nervous. He walked in. I mean, he's one of those guys where when you meet him, it's like you knew him forever. You know, hey, what's up, guys? And, you know, I had a couple of my employees in the guard with me. He did like face-offs with them. And like, (laughs) he's the nicest guy in the world, most humble person you'll ever meet in your life. What did he end up buying? He bought a Rolex Day Day, 40 millimeter. How much is that? Um, it was around like 45,000. Yeah. When I showed him like the crazy stuff, he's like, no, I mean, he could, the guy can afford it. I mean, he could buy anything he wants, but he's like, I just want something simple, clean. I just want to show my personality with it. I don't want anything too crazy. How do you travel with $2 million worth of watches on a plane? Even a lot of security. Are you on private when you did that? That one, we actually didn't go private because it was such short notice that we literally just flew commercial, but we're insured. I mean, we're fully insured. We have security the minute we get off the plane. Is TSA wondering what you're doing with all this? I actually told them beforehand. Yeah, because I already know that they're going to make me open it. Uh, so I'll tell them before I walk in, like, hey, I have you know luxury items with me. If you want to open it and take a look at it, you're more than welcome, but you got to take me to a private room because I'm not going to do it out in the open. That's how that works. Yeah, and they'll do it. They'll say, okay, fine. You know, They'll, they'll understand. They're not like, you know. What do these watch brands say about the owner? Omega. Ooh, that's a good one. I like that. That's a good question. Um, I would say, ooh, <laughs> that's good. That a good that's a very good question. I would say, how can I word it? Like, low-key, cares about the movement, doesn't want to overspend on a watch, and wants value for the money. Rolex. 
likes the flash. You know, he wants everybody to know what's on his wrist. Apple Watch. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say somebody that cares about health, right? Because they want to track their heart rate. They want to track their workouts. And they want to connect it to their text messages and emails. Brightling. Brightling is probably going to be a pilot or a bigger guy, right? Because they make bigger watches. They make great watches. And they're very involved in the pilot space. Do you think mostly pilots really just stick to Brightling for those? Like, are they really checking those their watches when they're in flight? Some guys actually do. Some guys will. I'm not saying every single pilot does that. But, um, yeah, I mean, some guys will actually use it. And some guys will, if they are pilots, they will buy it because of that reason. AP. AP is going to be a guy that wants to flash. He wants everybody to know what he's wearing, but he doesn't want to buy a Rolex. Why? He wants to be a little bit... More his own? Not more his own, like a little more expensive. Ah. Right, a little flashier, a little more like, hey, you know, I did it, I made money, I have an expensive watch. Because in reality, it's like you think about it, for a stainless steel AP, I mean, some of them are 60, 70K, 80K. Jacob and Co. Jacob McCall reminds me of like a billionaire Middle Eastern guy that walks around that wants like, it's a piece of art on the wrist. You know what I mean? So it's just somebody that wants to like really stand out. And most people that are going to buy a watch like that don't care about half a million dollars or $600,000. Right. It's just dropping a bucket. Yeah. What are three watches every man or woman should have? Like brands? Yeah. I would say woman... Are we going like no budget or is it like... There's some budget. Some budget? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Why don't I give you both? I'll give you budget and non-budget. Sure. Right? For non-budget, I would say probably a Rolex, Cartier, and a tag. Uh, oh, a tag? Tag hero, right? Something clean for every day. You know, 1500 bucks. You don't have to worry about it. You can knock around and hit it, you know? Yeah. No budget. I would say a Paddock Nautilus, ladies, like 7118, um, a Richard Mill, and a Vacheron. Like, how do you know all these numbers? Like it's, a seven one 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 eight. It's what I do. <laughs> I even said it wrong. Yeah. I was repeating you and I said it wrong. It's what I do. I mean, I do it all day. I study it all day. You know, I put offers in all day. I'm looking at them all day. I'm studying it all day. I have to know everything. Did I make a mistake when I went to Switzerland? I couldn't get a Rolex, but I bought a Cartier. Did you get like VAT back? That? I did. How much? Twenty percent? Uh, maybe. Ten? Twenty? Yeah, you did good. Okay. Because even with us, if you order a brand new Cartier, we're going to be able to, some models is only like 7, 8% off. Some models is 10, 15% off. So no, you did good. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. everyone was wondering like, you went all the way to Switzerland and you got a Cartier. No, it's How good. dare you? Look, at the end of the day, you got to buy what you like. I liked it. Yeah. And I always tell people that if you just buy because of the hype, what's the point of that, right? Like if you're looking at your wrist... You want to buy what you enjoy. Sometimes I wear watches and people go, why the hell are you wearing that? It's because I like it, right? I like it. I enjoy it. If I like it and enjoy it, you're getting the value of it, right? If you buy something that you don't really like and if you go to sell it and you take a little 10, 15, 20, 25% loss, you're going to be upset. But if you bought something you enjoyed, you liked. And you if enjoyed it. you ever go sell it, you got your money out of it. Right. Switching over to diamonds and jewelry, is that a good investment? Diamonds and jewelry, I mean, look, they're all going to have value to them, right? When you're buying it, I always tell people, don't buy diamonds and jewelry as an investment. You want an investment, buy gold, buy a piece of property. These are They are luxury items. Are they an investment as in, are they going to have value after you buy them? Of course, they are going to have value. But it's not something you should expect to make money on. Okay. Watches are more of something that you can expect to make money on? If the market goes up drastically, like we did during COVID, yeah, you can make money on it. But that was like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy watches, diamonds, or jewelry as investments. I, I would buy it as something that will hold value and will keep value, but you always got to expect a little bit of a loss, right? Yeah. Because when I'm selling it, I'm obviously going to sell it to make money too, right? When I'm buying it, I have to buy it to make money as well too. So you should always expect that 10, 15, 20% buffer. But look, there's times that you could buy watches where you can make a lot of money too. Yeah. You know, the Rainbow Daytona, I'm going to go back to that one. That retails for, you know, 160, 170,000 and it's going for five times retail. You know, you have watches like this that retail for, you know, a little under $100,000 and they're going for half a million dollars. But that's if you're buying it at MSRP. In order to get this from Tiffany, you got to spend a million, two million dollars on jewelry in order for them to give it to you. Got it. 
That's the Tiffany. That's the Tiffany and Co. Fifty nine eighty new buckle twenty twenty three. Wow, it's a lot of words. A lot of words. <laughs> <laughs> but I brought some diamonds here too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, check this out. So right here we have a ten carat. I don't know if you can see this. Ten carat DVS two something like this is about four hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. Shut up. Four hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. Can a, a guy with greasy paws like me hold it? Here you go. Wow. Check it out. Why is this so expensive? The size, which to get a 10 karat diamond is very, very rare, but also to get it where it's high quality, where it's a D color, the best color you can get, and a VS2, which is very slightly included, which you're not going to see in the inclusion of the naked eye on a size like this, is next to impossible to find. I don't want to hold it. It's too much responsibility. <laughs> now, look, what a lot of what's been very, very popular is you have something like this, right? This is a nine and a half karat D VVS2 lab grown diamond. Which to the naked eye, you're not going to really be able to see the difference. Something like this is about $23,000. Oh, that's the difference between lab-grown and mined. Yes. Wow. But look, on a lab-grown diamond, you buy it, there's no resale value. Right? The, the diamond's going to probably be worth, maybe if you're lucky, a couple thousand dollars, somebody will be able to pay you for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas a natural is always going to hold value, but it's depending on what you're going to get back for it. The reason why people respect us within the business and customers as well is because we're very, very transparent. We're very honest with everything. Do you... Th Let me answer this question. I, I know what you're going to ask. So look, a diamond, when you go in to sell it, I don't want to say it's essentially what somebody's willing to pay, but sometimes depending on the market, you might get more, you might get less. You buy a piece of gold, gold is worth what it's worth. Nobody can mess with you, Right? If it's $2,000 an ounce, it's worth $2,000 an ounce. So if you come in with a coin and it's worth $2,000, nobody can tell you, hey, I'm going to pay you $1,800 because I don't feel like paying you two grand. It's worth two grand. But you can't tell the difference between lab-grown and mined. No. Even with a microscope? Even with a microscope, you can't tell. So where's the difference of certification? You just have like paperwork to show that it was mined? You're going to have paperwork and also on the girdle of the diamond, laboratories will engrave that it's a LG, which stands for lab-grown, or they'll actually write lab-grown and then the report number on it. What if they don't? What if they're trying to scan the system? Then that's fraud. And that's a crime. A really big crime. Really? Yeah. But there are machines that you can buy, which we have as well, which will cost you about $25,000, $30,000, that you put it into the machine and it will actually test it to see if it's lab or natural. Oh, so machines can prove it. Machines can prove it. But very expensive machines. It's not just like a hundred dollar machine that you're going to buy on Amazon. It's an actual machine that's built for that. That'll set you back $25,000, $30,000. What's the difference in the way that they're mined between lab grown and mined? Well, lab grown is grown in a machine in a, in a laboratory in a, you know, four to six week period. And diamonds take thousands and thousands and thousands of years to evolve. Are they made in the same conditions as if they were in a cave? Yes. Yeah. So they'll imitate exactly what it is. So that's why Lab diamonds will be the same hardness. It'll have the same carbon. It'll have inclusions. It'll have colors, clarities, everything. That's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> are you seeing the trend where people are buying more lab-grown than mined? Um, yeah. A lot of people are buying lab-grown, but mined is still very popular and mined is still selling as well. But lab-grown, of course, is selling really well because of the price point, right? Women always want bigger, you know, size Yeah, matters. they do. Yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> so the difference between those two is you said one's like half a million and one's $30,000. Wow. It's a huge difference. Is that a wedding ring? That's an, yeah, it's a wedding That's ring. an engagement ring? Yeah. Well, some people can use it as a pinky ring. I think it'll look good on you as a pinky ring. Yeah, I mean, I think so too. Let me sell the house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is the most expensive engagement ring you ever sold? Uh, we've sold a pink diamond for about $3.4 And the guy was going to propose with it? Yeah. What? Yeah. I mean, look, diamonds like that, when you sell them, those are considered some type of investment, right? Because they're very rare, very difficult to get. It was actually funny. We were doing a talk yesterday with the staff where I was teaching them about diamonds. And a lot of people don't realize this, but the most expensive colored diamond is a red diamond, right? A quarter carat red diamond can set you back eight, dollars $900,000 for a quarter carat. This is a 10 carat. I'm talking quarter carat, tiny. Tiny, tiny, and like very low quality too, like I1, which is very, very included. But those diamonds, they're the type where they're so rare and the size of them, it, you ask what you want. 
You know, hey, I want $4 million. Well, I don't think it's worth $4 million. We'll go get another one. Well, there is no other one. Well, then give me my money. Right? If you want it, you have to pay for it. Where are those diamonds found? Um, a lot of them were from the Argyle Mon, like a uh, color like pink diamonds, but they come from all over the world. But they're very, I mean, it's, I don't even want to say like half a percent, it's less than, I mean, it's like very, very rare to get a colored diamond. Yellows are the most common. And then, you know, you'll get into like the blues, the pinks, the purplish, the greens, the reds, but it's, it's all natural. I mean, they come from all over the world. When that guy came in asking for that, did you have to go source that? We sourced it. Yeah. Yeah. That one we bought from uh, Israel actually. Yeah. Because it's very select companies that will actually have items like that in yeah. stock. You know what I mean? It's not like, you know, each big wholesale companies or site holders will have their specialty where they hold on to diamonds like that. And they'll essentially just ask what they want, but you know, they'll stock it and they'll put up the money for it and they'll buy it. What would you say is the biggest misconception that the public doesn't understand about the jewelry business? Uh, profit margins. Right. I think people think that there's crazy, crazy high profit in the jewelry business, which is not true. Right. Natural diamonds today, profit margins are very, very slim on them because there's so much competition with online and so many companies out there where profit margins on diamonds are natural diamonds are seven, eight percent, nine percent. Sure. You know, when you sell the engagement ring, it's depending on where you go. Right. You go to a company like Tiffany and Company. Yeah. Their profit margins are high. You go to a store in the mall, their profit margins are high, but it needs to be right because the guy's probably paying 30, 40 grand a month in rent. But when you go to like a normal family jewelry store, like a family owned store, the profit margins are not like three, four hundred percent, five hundred percent like that. I think that was one of the coolest things about your store is that you let me go in the back and I'm just seeing all these people operating on the diamonds. They're cleaning it. They're setting it. They're like building yeah. the jewelry. And it was just like, yeah, I felt like I wasn't allowed to be there. But you were like, yeah, go ahead. No, we'll allow anybody in the back. I mean, we're we're full. I mean, we're open, open book. You know what I mean? You want to loop your diamond. You want to see the diamond you're buying. You want to see the inscription on it. We have, you know, setters where they have cameras on their microscopes where we have monitors that will actually show you the actual serial number of the diamond if you want to take a look at it. You want to see your diamond being set. Sometimes people will have a diamond that's passed down from generations where they actually want to watch the setter set the diamond where they hand it to him. We'll allow them to do that. I mean, anything you need and anything you want, we're good with it. Full transparency with everything. Can you name drop some of your clients? Uh, we just sold a Richard Mill to Debo Samuels from Who's the that? 49ers. Wow. Yeah. How much was that worth? Uh, Is that public? If not, it's okay. Let's leave it off. I'm not sure if he's going to want me to tell you the price of it. Oh, Richard Mill. So you, you had to source kinda, that? We had it in stock. Phew! Yeah, yeah, we had that one in stock and he reached out. Um, super nice guy. I hope he wins the playoffs. Go 49ers. How did you get it to him? We actually flew it out to him. Did you go? No, I sent one of my guys over there. And I flew it out to him. In yeah. a briefcase, a, a handcuff to their wrist? Yeah. <laughs> no, very low-key. Very, he was a nice guy. Really good guy. Went really, really smooth. Flew it out same day. Wow. Literally. It was, it was cool. It was fun. I mean, look, you can't... At the end of the day, a lot of celebrities, we deal with a lot of them. I mean, you have Debo Samuels. You have Lizzo. We have Cody Nolove. We have a lot of the UFC fighters. We have Kershaw. You have guys like Morgan Wallen. You have guys like Baylor Z Zimmerman. A lot of people don't realize it's like, I mean, we have tons. I mean, you can see it all over the Instagram, right? Like every other day we're posting up pictures of celebrities coming into the store. They're normal people and they want what they pay for, right? And they want to be taken care of and they want to get the right product and they want to get, they want to pay a fair price because a lot of people, when celebrities or ball players walk in, they're going to try to overcharge them, right? We don't do that. You know, we take care of them. We treat them like normal people. We give them the product that they deserve and, you know, we create relationships. I mean, they essentially become friends at the end of the day. Would you guys ever do a reality show at your shop? No. Why? I just don't want my business out there for everybody to see. You mm. know what I mean? Reality shows are like very drama related. And look, me and my brother, it's two brothers. I mean, they would have a field day with it, right? Because we're two brothers married to two sisters. A lot of oh, people don't realize you're that. you're married? To two sisters. Wow. Yeah. And we have a very busy jewelry store. We have celebrities and high-profile people walking in every single day. It would be a hit. But I just don't want my business out there like that. It's like, how much more money am I going to make, you know? Have you ever been approached for one? Oh, yeah. I mean, Bravo comes in. We have the editors and writers from Bravo come in. They come to the store like once a month, twice a month, and they literally every single day, every single time they come in, when are we doing the show? When are we doing the show? I go, never. <laughs> <laughs> but all the time. For the longest time, they've been after us. 
What are you wearing on your watch now? What are you wearing on your wrist now? So I have an AP Royal Oak 18 karat yellow gold. This is the discontinued version. A lot of people don't realize this, but AP very rarely will make watches in yellow gold. So this is actually a boutique only. When this watch came out, AP didn't own all their own stores in a boutique style. So right now today you go to a, and you want to buy an AP, you have to go to an actual store that's only AP. They only sell AP at this time. There was watch stores out there that were authorized to sell AP, but this was actually a boutique only. So if you wanted the all blue dial, you actually had to go to a boutique. Very rare, very, very limited. At the height of the market, I sold one of these for $280,000. Today it's one ten. Whoa. Yeah. And I normally don't even wear metal bracelets or gold bracelets. I always wear rubber straps. I'm not a, I'm not a bracelet guy. My brother's a bracelet guy, but because it's such a rare watch and it's such a, I mean, it's a sick piece. I was like, you know what? I got to wear it before it sells because it'll sell really fast and it'll sell right away. So I wanted to at least enjoy it for a little bit before I sold it. This is heavy duty. It is. Wow. Is a watch still worth it if it doesn't have its papers? Yeah. You just got to buy it for less. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, I, I always tell this to people, if a watch doesn't have papers and you're buying it from a trusted source, it's worth it because when you're buying it, you're going to pay less. When you're selling it, you're going to get less. What so makes it a trusted source? Like a reputable... A reputable store or a reputable dealer. Do you buy watches? Do you guys buy watches without papers? Yeah, of course. We'll buy it. I mean, and then we'll you pay just... a little bit less and then we sell it for a little bit less. And then you have to get it certified or you figure out if it's real or not. Yeah. I mean, we open up every watch before we even buy it. I mean, we have a watchmaker on site where when we buy a watch, he'll actually open it up right then and there and check the movement, check all the parts, check the bezel, check everything before we even pay out. What's the most shocking thing about watch companies that you found out? When Rolex bought Bouchier. is one of the biggest uh, Rolex retail stores. They had stores all over the world and Rolex bought them out. That was a little shocking to me that Rolex was going to come into the retail space. I think the reason why they did it is because they coming out with their certified pre-owned line where they're actually going to sell watches as pre-owned to the public directly from Rolex, which I think is one of the stupidest things they could do. It's actually good for the gray market guys like us because it doesn't make sense, right? You have a Rolex authorized dealer that's going to sell you a Rolex Daytona brand new for 17000 but they don't have it in stock. But if you want to come to our pre-owned section, we have it over here and we'll sell it to you at $38,000. So it's kind of, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't understand it. It'll work. Because of the company and who they are, people are going to feel comfortable buying it. But I think a lot of stores are going to use that to leverage customers to buy the pre-owned at a very inflated price in order to get the brand new at the retail price. That's where I got my Cartier watch from Boucher. Boucher, yeah. So now it's owned by Rolex. Oh. And that's what happens a lot with 80s, right? People get upset with me and I have friends that own- 80s authorized dealers? And authorized dealers, yeah. For Patek, Rolex, and all these brands- they get upset with me when I say this, but it's the truth, right? A lot of people go, well, how can I buy a watch at retail? How can I get this paddock at retail? It's not that simple. So when people come into us, they go, well, the retail is 70 grand and you're charging me 120,000. You're ripping me off. I'm not because I'm paying more as well too. And the person that bought it paid more as well too. They didn't just walk in and get a paddock Nautilus at 70K and they're selling it for 130, 140 grand. You have to ask that person, hey, what did you buy? previously in order to get that you spend 100 grand on jewelry just spend 150 grand on jewelry you know they'll they'll make you buy a hundred thousand dollar piece where if you came to me i would probably charge you 40 grand for that piece so it's like they're taking a 50 60k hit in order to buy it at retail so it's essentially the same thing i always tell people authorized dealers are not stupid they're very involved in the gray market space they know exactly what the items are going for and they're going to maximize their value are you aware of any crazy diamond heists that have happened that are just so shocking to you? Yeah. I mean, there was one that happened in Antwerp where they stole over $100 million worth of jewelry and diamonds. $100 million. I don't know how the hell they did it, how they pulled it off. Was it from a store? No. It was from a, like an armored car. Yeah. Like a Brinks truck? Like a Brinks, Brinks truck, truck. Yep, exactly. And they never got it back? They never got it back. From what I know, they never got it back. I'm not sure if like they recovered it, but I highly doubt it. And that's I mean, shocking to you that they were able to pull it off? Yeah. I mean, $100 million, think about that. I mean, imagine the amount of level of security they must have had for $100 million. Like, even if, like, let's say I'm shipping something with Malca or Brinks for $100 million or whatever it is, right? It's not even me that's putting that level of security, right? It's a company like Brinks or Malca that's going to, I mean, God knows how much 
security they're going to have and surveillance on those trucks in order to keep us safe. And for a company, I mean, I'm sure they'll make a movie out of that. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge loss. How does that work when you ship diamonds or watches with Brinks? Do you pay an insurance premium on it? We do. Yeah. So if it's over a certain amount, like um, a couple days ago, we sold um, a Rolex white gold Samariner Saber at a sapphire bezel with diamonds, with diamonds on the lugs. It was like 140 grand, right? FedEx would only insure us for up to 75000 so we obviously couldn't go that route. So we shipped it with Malka, where it's an armored truck, and they'll actually ship it, and they'll insure you for the exact amount that you want. So like when we're shipping half a million or a million, like we're shipping this diamond, let's say we're going to ship it to Arizona, it is, wherever it's going, we'll ship that with Malka or Brinks. We won't ship that with FedEx or UPS. And then someone will come to your store in a truck and pick it up? Yes. They'll come in an armored truck. Three security guards will come out. It'll be in a fully sealed bag sign paperwork and everything, and then they'll take it and they take it over. How much shipping does that cost you? Something like that will probably cost you like $1,500, 1000 to 1500 It's not bad. No, not at all, actually. It's not as bad as you think. Especially if you were to go fly it yourself. Yeah, and it's even more, it's risk too. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. A lot, there's a lot of things that like, even like I do it on a daily basis, but I don't even think about it, right? Like the other day I was shipping a, a Richard Mill for like 450000 And I told Janice, who's like, you know, handles a lot of that kind of stuff for us. Janice, call Malka, get us a label for 450000 This Richard Mill needs to be here tomorrow. And I, it doesn't even like occur to me like what I just said, but it happens and it gets done. And then the next day I call the person wh wherever they are in the U.S. and, hey, I got it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Money cleared. <laughs> <laughs> this is all so crazy and I can't wait to pick out which watch I'm going to get after this and keep <laughs> it. And yeah, this is sick. Cool. So Danny, thanks so much for coming. Thanks for having me. Dude. Guys, go check out Happy Jewelers. Go see JJ if you're planning on getting any kind of jewelry, uh, engagement rings, wedding rings, anything. Tell them Joe sent you. And seriously, thank you so much for coming by and bringing all of this of course. crazy. Thanks for having us. Sick. Until next time. Until next time. Happy Jewelers. Bye, wait. Thanks. Oh, thanks. Sick. That after the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.